All right, everybody, what's going on? Will from On Board Sports here. About to talk about some Jets football, Islanders hockey, and some Aaron Judge insight as to why uh, maybe the Yankees aren't going to sign him. We'll start off here with the Jets first. And I got to say, you know, being there in the rain last week against the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium, the Jets actually looked good for once. They had almost everything going for them. Uh, Mike White did things that were pretty incredible. Uh, again, threw for over 300 yards, 22 of 28. For 315 yards, uh, the guy, whenever he's been out there for the two games, whether it be the Bengals, the first drive against the Colts, and then, you know, yeah, the injury against... The, after that, didn't help him out. He had to go up against the Bills the following week. But when you look at this Jet team right now, this team responds to Mike White. I think that we're not going to see Zach Wilson for a very long time. And, you know, I'll give you a little recap right now on the game. It wasn't really, it was close, but it wasn't really close to the point where you had to bite your fingernails about it. Uh the Bills defense, the Bills, the Bears defense was not good at all. They gave up three passing touchdowns along the way, two to Garrett Wilson, one to Elijah Moore, who came through in the clutch uh, for the Jets, coming up with some key receptions. And look, man, I got to tell you right now, with everything that's gone on with this team, you know, you have to be thrilled from what you're seeing from the offense. Now, it's only one game, but Mike White is the Jets quarterback for the foreseeable future. And for the people out there that want to that want to talk about Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, look, this team is in win-now mode. I would understand if this was a first-year quarterback. I would understand if, you know, you didn't know what was going on or this team was awful, but... This defense right now is a top five defense. They're a top 10 defense when it comes to giving up points and yards per game. But overall, they're a top five unit, statistically speaking. Now they have to make better tackles, but that we'll save that for a little bit down the road in the show. But right now with Zach, we're not going to see him for a long time unless Mike, Mike White really messes up big time uh, against the Vikings and against the Bills up in Buffalo, this is his game to, you know, to basically lose at that point in time. Speaking of which, where the Jets won this game, on their third down efficiencies, they kept drives going. They were 7-12, something that throughout previous games, they've been absolutely downright horrible. And they are still ranked in the bottom five when it comes to third down completions and trying to make drives longer on third down. But you, you, you got to see it. And with Mike White in at quarterback, he was making some pretty good throws, making some, making some very key throws, moving up in the pocket, uh, having the awareness to get rid of the ball, throw it to his right receiver. And, you know, he got... People involved. He got 10 people involved in the game on on Sunday. Not including Denzel Mims, but still. 
he got 10 people involved. Talk about an absolute downright great game by Mike White. He basically found it. And look, all I got to say about this is Mike White is, and I'm going to say it again, Mike White is the quarterback for this football team. He is until something happens. Injury, has a bad game, and I think he's proven after one week with the way how we got to see him throw the ball with confidence that if he were to mess up against Minnesota this week, he gets a chance to right himself against Buffalo. No easy task, but they're right there. Now, speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, this is going to be a tough game. And, you know, I usually give you previews on Friday. I I do my homework here a little bit in there on what goes on. But this team right now, I'll give you a preview right now for this game coming up. Because right now, when we're looking at the Vikings as a team, we know about what Kirk Cousins can do offensively. We know what Dalvin Cook uh, Thielen and Justin Jefferson can do on an offense, but team speaking, you know, this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people are going to give for, for this, for this Jets Vikings game coming up. And while I look at where the Vikings are right now in, in stats, they're right in the pack when it comes to getting first downs total they can absolutely pass the ball and try and get gains on first down. They they pass the ball a lot on, to, to get these first downs with 147 first down uh, completions. That is, that's incredible right there. That puts them in the top 10. That puts them in the, in eighth overall. And then on third down percentage on conversions, you know, this team right now, they rank in the bottom half for third down completion percentage along with the Jets, but you can't sleep on on the two men, guys that I mentioned before in Thielen and Jefferson. That's something that's going to be uh, key. But also, their tight ends, you can't sleep on them either. You just can't because in today's, today's game, the tight end is just absolutely huge when it comes to just going out there and trying to make things happen, whether it be Ben Ellison or TJ Hawkinson, you know, regardless or not on how you feel about these guys, they can make a difference too on third down, trying to get those, trying to get those completions on third down to make it easy, the safety blanket, if you will, on the offense. But the third down percentages to me, I always look at third down percentage to see what kind of a, a, a team uh, the Vikings are. Their 9-2 record speaks for itself, but right now on third down, they're in the middle of the pack, maybe in the, the bottom tier of the NFL when it comes to the third down percentage completions. Now, you look at the Jets, offensively, they are, like I said before, they are still fourth worst in the league when it comes to third down percentage. But now with Mike White in, and after the game that you got to see, albeit against the horrible horrible, uh, you know, built a Bears defense. It leads me to believe that this game is going to be close. I know that there are people out there that 
are competitive gamblers and such. But, you know, for me personally, I look at it and I just say to myself, I'd, I'd stay away from this game as far as uh, over, under, whatever. I think this is going to be one of the more unpredictable games uh, that we're going to see. But when we're looking at it from the defensive side of things on first downs, you know, we look at the Vikings. They give up 237 first downs on defense. That is not good. You look at teams like Detroit, Atlanta, Arizona, Chicago, Carolina. Those five teams alone are horrible. Then you got Houston, Seattle, Green Bay, New York. They're, they're right there in, in the 10. Meanwhile, you look at the Jets and what they do in giving up first downs. They are one, two, three, four, five. They're the sixth best team when it comes to giving up giving up first downs overall. And on third down percentages for defense, the Jets right now, you look at them, they are maybe top 15 when it comes to just stopping. They're right there in the middle when it comes to third down conversions on defense. And then you look at the Vikings, they're right below them. So I personally like the Jets here going into uh, this week. And if you look at the penalties as well, when you look at the, the Jets as far as what they give up on penalty-wise, they've been pretty good defensively when it comes to penalties. But then you look at the Vikings, and they are all the way down. So expect on defense a lot of holds, a lot of calls for the Vikings to not go their way uh, per se on the defensive side of things. So, <clears throat> having said that right now, this is going to be a close game. And, you know, people out there want to believe that, oh, it's the Vikings, they're 9-2, they're the skull, all that. To me, I look at these stats, they are what they are. They're very telling and very indicative as to what the Jet fan and what the fans need to know. I like, and this the X factor here is Mike White. Because if Mike White can go out there and basically put on a show for the people in Minnesota, for the people here in New York watching this, and for the rest of the league, the Jets are going to keep this game close. Their defense is good. Mike White is, in my opinion, two games in. If you count last year and, and this week, I don't want to say he's legit yet, but it's Mike White. He's playing good. So having said that now, this is going to be a close game. I don't know who's going to win this one, but you have to feel confident if you're a Jet fan going into Minnesota. And Minnesota's kind of due for a loss here. So I'm very, very optimistic about this week. I am. Looking at, after looking at the stats, looking at the key penalties, the, the key the key everything. Sala, Robert Sala has done such a good job in having to deal with adversity with Zach Wilson going down, the whole receipts issue, then, you know, having to go up against the teams that didn't have the quarterbacks. But he's he's overcome adversity, man. He has. And say what you want about the two games against the Patriots. This is a good football team. They kept those games close. 
this defense is pound for pound a top juggernaut when it comes to shutting people down and making hard hits. You got to like what you're seeing right now from the Jets overall. And like I said before, after looking at the stats, it's going to be a very close game. Make no mistake about that come Sunday. Uh, we got to move on from the Jets now to the Islanders. And I've been following this team around, and I'm going to take a slug of water here real quick. Good old Poland Spring. Anyway, we look at what the Jets have brought to the table. The Jets have brought to the table. We go to the Islanders right now, and excuse me for that, but the Islanders right now are playing rather relatively well. They did lose their game against the Flyers. They were on a four-game winning streak after beating the likes of the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jackets, the Oilers, and then the Flyers. In no particular order, of course, but when you look at this team right now, they're playing well. Their power play's rolling right now. Noah Dobson and their defense core has been absolutely been getting it as of late. Adam Pellick's been getting in on the scoring chances. Uh, you know, you love what you're seeing from Zach Parise. Matt Barzell's been doing his thing. And you want to see more. You want to see more of the forwards getting into it. Now, Anthony Beauvillier hasn't really been doing his thing, but... You know, you got to like what you're seeing as far as the hustle goes, the defensive commitment from these guys. Uh, you know, Jean-Gabriel Pajot netting in on a couple power play goals uh, over the course of time. And you look at what you're seeing right now from Oliver Wallstrom. You, you think you're seeing a, uh, a little bit of a growth spurt from him with his shot, with the way how he plays his game. And then the fourth line is the fourth line. Now they are losing out on Kyle Palmieri. Day-to-day -day injury, probably a little bit worse than that. You look at what Cal Clutterbuck is going through right now. We'll see what goes on with him. And now in Bridgeport earlier, we saw, we saw a tweet that Atu Ratu wasn't in the lineup up in Bridgeport. So this is what leads me to believe that Simone Holstrom coming up, he played a couple of games. He's going to be here for probably the next seven or eight games, or six games at that point in time now. And maybe you get to see Atu Ratu come up. And I got to see this kid play. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, one. Of, he's going to be the third-line center for this team. No doubt about it. And if you're going to move Brock Nelson up to the first line, if you're going to move, let's say, you know, J.G. Pajot up to the third up to the second line, and you have a line combination of Lee, Nelson, and Barzi. I think that would be the best thing for this team. On that second line, you'll have Beauvillier with Pajot and with, uh, with even though Bailey's going to probably be out, maybe you have Holmstrom with Ratu and Parise. You know, you just, that Wallstrom on that second line, excuse me, with Pajot and Beauvillier, you get to see what happens at that point. You know, you really do. Or you put Beauvillier with Ratu and with Holmstrom. And you leave the fourth line. And you have Ross Johnston come in with Cal Carterbuck probably being hurt more than likely. So, again, we'll see 
what it comes down to. But overall, you got to like what you're seeing from this team. Like I said last week, you know, the, the coming back in the third periods isn't sustainable. But when you're looking at it and you're watching this team play, they're playing with confidence. They're playing gritty. They're playing that smash mouth style of hockey that they were back in their first year playing together. You know, and if you see some of these young kids come up and wanting to not only try and make a name for themselves and saying, hey, you know, what? maybe that next time the uh, the call up comes up, maybe I could be one of those guys. But now you're going to see other teams probably looking in at these guys and maybe the Islanders may be looking at a, a trade chip here at this point. I, as much as I don't want to see guys like Holmstrom and Emratu go and even do four. You have to, if you're an Islander fan, you have to be thrilled from what you're seeing, but also you have to be saying to yourself, all right, maybe there's a trade coming in which the top nine or top six forward will put will put this team over the edge. And that's something that I don't think Lou Lamarillo is going to do. I think he's going to look at it and say to himself, well, I got these guys here for a reason, and we're going to go out there and, and build this team to the way how I like it. I mean, Lou, you know, it, it. we'll see. But this is going to be an interesting time coming up. Friday, they go up against the Predators. This is still a physical team, and the Predators are, and they're fighting for a playoff spot. Make no mistake about it. They are fighting for a playoff spot. None of these games are going to be easy. And for whoever says that it's going to be easy, I think you're fooling yourselves. Okay? I really do. Because... Like I said before, in a previous episode, you know, if you're looking at all four of these games as, oh, they're just easy Ws, no, you'll get what happened with the Flyers. The Flyers, they are what they are. Make no mistake about it, the Flyers are what they are uh, at that point in time. Are they good? No, but they're fighting for, for a playoff spot, albeit... You know, the Penguins have 26 points, and the Flyers, after going on a 10-game losing streak uh, during the year, it just hasn't really helped out, uh, per se. After going 1-6-3 and three in their last 10, that doesn't help out any. But regardless or not on how you feel about the situation at hand, the Islanders were the better team. They lost. It is what it is. You move on. You got to prepare up against the Nashville team right now that, and for the next couple of games, I should say, as we look at the schedule, you got to go up against Chicago, you got to go up against St. Louis. Both games, all three of these games are at home right now at this point, and you got to go up against the Devils, then the Carolina Hurricanes are coming here on the second half of their back-to-back, on the Islanders' second half of back-to-back, excuse me. So it's going to be interesting what this team is going to be doing right before they go on the road up against Boston, first place Boston team. Arizona's still kind of, sort of fighting for its way uh, in that in that playoff hunt. And, you know, they kind of slipped off a lot having said that. But regardless or not, you know, this is a team that you can't really sleep on. Although the Islanders are probably going to be looking for retribution against the uh, 
Arizona Coyotes, and then they go up against Vegas the following the following Saturday after that, and then Colorado on Monday. So it's not going to be easy at all. By the very by the very least, so it should be fun. What the Islanders are going to be doing here, if you're going to be seeing the likes of Ratu get called up, Dufour get called up, if injuries do happen uh, at that point. And hey, let's leave one more quote here for you. When the rookie camp was going on, Lou Amarillo said it the best with the with these kids. They, they're close to being called up. Ratu's getting close to being called up. And you could say the same thing with Dufour getting called up. So my opinion... Ratu is probably going to be the next one in line. We haven't seen him in Bridgeport tonight, which is a, probably an early indication that tomorrow you'll probably see him at the facility practicing and maybe getting used to the locker room, the ice, the, his teammates, all that, you know, probably looking in at what's going on here uh, when it comes to going up against the Predators on Friday. So, having said all that right now, and when you're looking at this team, I like what I'm seeing uh, from, from the Islanders right now. And a look at the power play, look at some of the percentages before we go. You know, the Islanders are ranked 11th in the league on the power play, getting goals in nearly every single game. That's crazy to say the very least right there. Uh, you look at where the Predators are, and the Predators, ever since their, their showing against the Islanders, they've dropped down to 28th in the league. When it come, or tied for 27th when it comes to power play percentage. So that's usually not, not a good thing. You look at the penalty kill for the Islanders right now, 83.1%, top five in the league still. And when you look at the National Predators, they're right there in the top 12, 12th overall with an 80.6 uh, penalty kill percentage. Now you look at the face-off winning percentage here, and you got the National Predators ranked in the top five. They win their face-offs about half the time, 53.3%. And now when you're looking at the Islanders, they're ranked 17th at 50. So this is going to be a close game tomorrow. I don't care what anybody tells you, just don't don't sleep on the Preds, all right? And we look at the shots against, you know, per game. We look at where the, the Islanders are right now at this point in time. They take, they, you know, they go up against a lot of shots and they're 23rd in the league when it comes to shots against and that's usually not a good sign uh ranked 23rd in the league having to deal with that and then the predators right are right up there just about a couple of ticks below them at 32.6 so you know if you're looking at this team right now again this is going to be a close game on friday and i think the islanders have retribution on their mind and i think that you're going to see the young kids in holmstrom and uh, Ratu play uh, coming up here. So should be interesting what goes on against the, the Predators. 
the Blackhawks and then the Blues, you know, it's not, you know, the, these games, they should be winnable, but quite to the contrary, it can be totally something different when looking at this team right now. And this, the Islanders are the better team against, if you're looking at it from the paper-wise, and you're looking at the standings, they're better than Nashville, they're better than Chicago, and St. Louis right now, they're fighting for a playoff spot, but regardless or not, you know, don't think for a second that this team is going to go out there and go on another winning streak at this point in time. It could be 2-1, and one, they could split it in the middle, we'll see what happens with this team. So, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Speaking of counting chickens before they hatch, a lot of Yankee fans are still confident in the fact that Aaron Judge is going to resign as a New York Yankee. And my personal belief from what I've seen is from recent history anyway, I don't think Aaron Judge is resigning. Now, having said that now, there was a report today, a rumor, that the Yankees offered Judge an eight-year deal worth about $300 million dollars. And that's probably the groundwork as far as what other teams are going to go out there and and uh, and offer probably offer him more. But having said that, right now, the Yankees, to me, if they were smart, whatever team that they that they're going to be going up against bidding wise, probably against the Giants. Understandably so. He's a hometown kid. He's a guy that wants to play in San Francisco. And when you look at it, the stuff that you don't really think about, the, the, the way how the world's going right now through the phone, all the social media companies are out there. You know, New York, why would anybody want to live here in New York? Why would anybody want to live in California? It's because of the fact that you can market yourself. And I think when you're out in California, you can market yourself more than you are here in New York. As stupid as that sounds, that's, you know, that's the truth. I mean, look at basketball. Look at basketball. And I understand the franchise perspectives, you know, per se, and you want to talk about the Mets, you want to talk about the Rangers going out there and signing guys, you want to talk about the Jets to an extent. But, you know, we'll talk about basketball here. Why do you think nobody goes to the Knicks? You know? Why? This is going to sound stupid. It is. To many, but to me, it just makes... Why would anybody want to go to the Knicks? Why would anybody want to go to the Yankees and want to play here? You have to be downright special in order to play over here. Now, I understand that this guy is going to take the most money wherever he goes. I'll be shocked if he leaves any money off the table. And, you know, to me, personally, after what we got to see with the fan base, it's a repeat of A-Rod all over again when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to a single season record being broken uh, at that point in time. Yeah, A-Rod never broke a single, single season record, but at the time, you know, he, he won the MVP in 07. And the thing is, when it comes to you know, and I would love to hear this from A-Rod right now. I know I'm going off, off tangent. 
But when you look at A-Rod, and when he opted out, and then he signed during the World Series in 2007, and how everybody, oh, he, he, he outdid himself there, it's not good, that he, you know, he did. But the bottom line is with the Yankees, George Steinbrenner, when he was alive, got that deal done with Alex. He did. Say what you want about the family. George got that done. Now, George is dead for the past 12 years, but the Steinbrenner family is being patient. I think they're being smart, and I think they're not really rushing into anything at this point. To get back to the, to the basketball point that I'm making up here, why would anybody want to come to New York? Why? Because of the, the little necessity things that, oh, you know, if you win here, you'll make it anywhere. At that point, like, no. You know, I, I to me, you're only doing it for the money. You don't care about winning. You're doing it for the money. Now, if Aaron Judge decides to resign here, you know why he's going to resign here. Because money talks and bullshit walks. And just like him going over to San Francisco... You know why he's going to San Francisco? Because money talks and bullshit walks at the end of the day. So if the Yankees do get outbid here by a year or money, you're going to hear a lot of the fan base and a lot of the media complaining about, oh, you know, if George was here. I just mentioned about George. George is dead. Calculated move. Yankees have an up-and-coming prospect pool. Why would the Yankees do that? They have a plan B in their back pocket. All these franchises have a plan B if plan A goes wrong. Plan A is Aaron Judge. Plan B is looking into your, your minor league system and asking yourself... Is this kid ready to play? Is, you know, are we going to go out there and sign a, a B-tier free agent or a C-tier free agent at that point? The Yankees know what they're doing. And to any fan out there that says that they don't, everything's calculated. They have everything down, right, scouted out, and ready to go. And if Aaron Judge doesn't resign, who's going to be playing right field? Ask yourself that question. Will it be John Carlos Stanton? Is he going to get himself into shape? Which, to me, it's amazing how you look at this guy, his physique, and the way how he carries himself. It's amazing how he gets injured a lot. Right? Now, you look at what you have in the minors. Is Jason Dominguez... The Martian, as a lot of people call him, is he ready to make that next step? If Aaron Judge doesn't resign, who are you going to put out in the outfield? Who are you going to resign outside of Aaron Judge? Is Andrew Benintendi coming back? Are we going to see Aaron Hicks back? You know, Harrison Bader is going to be your center fielder, more than likely, right? So there's that. You know, the Yankees, to me, right now, they're in an interesting spot. And it might be beneficial if he does, if Aaron Judge doesn't resign. It might be beneficial for them. 
as crazy as that sounds, as crazy as that sounds, it might be beneficial for the Yankee organization to say, you know what? He went, he moved on. He's got to prove that contract now. And now we got to have, we got to see this young kid come up and play, whoever it may be. So right now, for me, the way how I look at it, the way how I see it, the Yankees are, are in a win-win. They're in a win-win. If Aaron Judge resigns, they win. If he doesn't resign, they're not locked into another contract that's going to be here for the next four or five years. An aging one at that. And he's going to command a lot of money. And I know that you know that he's not going to put up the same numbers as he did this past year. You could talk about the captain. You could talk about this. You could talk about that. At the end, at bottom line, when it comes to the Yankees right now, they went through a lot of shit. And I get a lot of flack on, on the craziest stuff. Oh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave. This is going to be my last one. Where when you look at this team right now, and you look at the, the people that have been here, Brian Cashman, the Steinbrenner family, they've gotten to see what reckless spending has done. And they look at what these other teams have done over the course of time. And you know what? They, they did it in 2016 where they didn't need to sign anybody. Or, excuse me, in the 2017 season, they trusted these young kids. They let them play. And a lot of the fan base, oh, we got to spend money in order to win. That team didn't spend money to win a championship, right? 2018 rolls around. They relied on the core. They were going out there and, and playing well. 2019 rolls around. You know, yeah, they, they traded for Stanton the year prior. But you know what? They didn't go out there and, and go big game hunting. 2020 rolled around. COVID happened. Might have messed up everything, sure, when it comes to Garrett Cole and how he was getting used, but that's just the way how, how it works over here. Pitcher comes in with a with a crazy ERA, and people are expecting him to do pretty great things. Instead, he's getting put in a bandbox, if you will, and the numbers go up, and the mistakes happen, and the way and the way how it happens is whether or not you're using your pitches right, you'll get Sonny Gray, you look at other pitchers that have come through that basically have tried to reinvent themselves in a way, if you will. And they've done well outside of here. Lance Lynn being another guy. So, you know, for me, like, it's, it's something that needs to be said and addressed when it comes to watching this team play. And you look at the shortstop class, you look at what goes on, oh, there's trade, oh, Trey Turner's proven, you know, oh, you know, you look at uh, Correa, Carlos Correa. Who the fuck wants Carlos Correa on their team? You look at the way how he goes about his business. You look at the way how he goes about his interviews. 
you want that guy on your team, Yankee fans? Ask yourself that question. This is the same guy that ripped Derek Jeter. And you want this guy on your team? Trey Turner's a, a, a solid shortstop, no doubt about it. But the amount of money and the years that you're about to commit to a shortstop when you still have to commit to, to judge if he does resign here, you still have to pay Stanton, you still have to pay Garrett Cole, you still have to go out there and, you know, pay Aaron Hicks, pay Severino. You got to find a way to, and the, it's the Yankees, all the, they have endless book. No, this is a different way of thinking now when it comes to the Yankees. This isn't the mid-2000s anymore where you're just throwing money at your problems and hopefully it just, it just evaporates. The theory of throwing money for a championship has gotten you one championship in 22 years. Enough said. I'm going to get going. You know, I hope you aren't, took the rant, understood it, and, you know, have the conversation with me. Please shoot me a DM if you can at Will Cherucci. We could talk about this and, you know, rightfully so. If the Yankees go out there and re-sign Aaron Judge, they're one of the favorites. And you'll get Houston. They sign Jose Abreu. Does that mean that they're going to win the World Series next year? No. They're paper favorites. But anything can happen over a 162-game season. And that's the beauty about the game. So, on that note, I'm going to get going. I'll talk to you guys soon. Enough of me rambling. Follow me at Will Trucci and follow On The Board Sports if you can. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.